Good morning. Let's pray. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and honour and wisdom and praise and strength and glory. Lord Jesus, as we consider the meaning of your death on the cross, would you open our hearts and our minds to know you afresh, to know your love afresh, to know your power afresh, to know your victory afresh. And may your kingdom come in us this day and always. Amen. For the past few years as a mother with young children, Easter always seemed to come around too quickly. It was as if I got to Good Friday without one thought of preparing myself to consider again the depths and the wonder and the power of the event of Christ's death and resurrection. I was too overwhelmed with the noise of my life to give Easter much thought. And yes, that's even as a minister's wife, I'm telling you, we're not perfect. And I even felt jealous of those people that had managed to fast during Lent or do a Lenten Bible study in order to come to Easter with a ready and worshipful heart. But my life was just swamped with the pressure of looking after preschool kids, managing household chores, ensuring meals were prepared, food in the fridge cupboard, making sure the house was clean, especially for our weekly Bible study that we had, which I also had to cook for, and squeezing in part-time study into the little spaces that I had for myself and late nights. And I remember in that season of my life, one day walking into church one Sunday and someone asking me, how are you going? And it was like, I actually couldn't answer because I didn't, I hadn't even thought of myself, I hadn't even had the opportunity to consider myself in all the busyness of life with a young family. My life was full of the noise of responsibilities. Well, here we are on Good Friday again, and I want to ask you this morning, what is the noise in your life? What is crowding and preoccupying your thoughts and your emotional energy today and in this season of your life? Maybe it's the noise of fear, fear about how things are going to play out in difficult and challenging circumstances. Maybe it's the noise of temptation or the constant lure of fashion and consumerism. Maybe it's the constant lure of addiction, even Netflix binging. Maybe it's the noise of inadequacy and feeling worthless, feeling that you don't measure up physically, intellectually, or even emotionally. Maybe it's the noise of depression and anxiety. Maybe it's the noise of trauma that you've experienced in your past that still haunts you. Maybe it's the noise of anger and frustration, feeling constantly frustrated by others or feeling constantly thwarted and hindered everywhere you turn. Or maybe it's the noise of guilt and shame, where you know you've sinned and you can't forgive yourself. Maybe it's the noise of the pull of secular worldviews, or even the constant undermining and ridicule of the Christian faith among your circle of friends and family and colleagues. Our lives are noisy and full. Our world is noisy. 
And even if we don't recognise that we've got these things going on in our minds that I've just mentioned, sometimes we deliberately choose to plug ourselves into entertainment or technology or social media to make sure that there's distractions so that we don't have to face ourselves and deal with the harder things in life. Jefferson Bethke says uh, that what people, especially young people, fear the most these days isn't death, but silence. I mean, that's terrible, right? Because it's actually the noise that keeps us from living freely. It's the noise that holds us back from true inner peace and wholeness. It's the noise that's like an oppression, weighing us and our spirits down and robbing us of fullness of life. Silence, on the other hand, is... It has profound spiritual benefits and, and physical and psychological benefits as well. And I think of Psalm 23, where we read that the shepherds leading us beside quiet waters is linked to the restoration of our souls. So what does the death of Jesus have to do with noise and silence? I want us to see this morning that Jesus' death silences the noise. So let's turn to our account in um, Mark chapter 15 of Jesus' death, which we've um, read part of this morning. And I want us to notice right from the start of this chapter the question that Pilate puts to Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? This is the charge, if you like, upon which this trial of Jesus hangs. And we read that Jesus answered him by saying, you say so. You see, Jesus didn't lord it over them by answering in the affirmative, yes, I am the king of the Jews, as if to fight against the injustice of what was happening and demand the respect that his identity deserved. And he didn't de deny it, saying, no, I'm, I'm not the king of the Jews, you've got the wrong man, as if to decry the system and maintain his innocence. He simply said, you say so. We immediately notice his calmness, quietness, we notice that the trust in his father's will, which he came to express in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before, is carried through to this moment, to his persecution. And we are told that after this, Jesus made no further reply. And Mark repeatedly emphasises the onslaught of the noise that's the noise of the chief priests who stir up the crowds, the crowds that shout, crucify him, crucify him, the taunts of the soldiers who mocked Jesus' royalty, the passers-by who insulted him, the chief priests and scribes who mocked Jesus' ability to save, and the taunts of those who were crucified with him. And throughout this account of the Gospel of Mark, we are continually reminded that all the torment and torture, all this mockery and ridicule, all this despising of Jesus is directed towards the King of the Jews, King of God's people, the Messiah who is the one who will save. We read of Pilate referring to Jesus repeatedly as the King of the Jews. He says in verse 12, What do you wish me to do with the man you call the King of the Jews? We read of the soldiers robing Jesus in a purple cloak, a symbol for royalty and placing a crown of thorns on his head while they saluted him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. We read that the charge placed above Jesus' head on the cross read, The King of the Jews. And we hear of the chief priests mocking him saying, Let the King of Israel come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. So there's two things going on here, aren't there? 
We feel the distress of Jesus being the victim. But we also see Jesus embracing his identity and destiny through the cross. To borrow from Michael Horton, he's a great theologian of our time, he says that Jesus embraced the cross precisely as a king embraces Jesus embraced the cross precisely as a king embraces a scepter. A scepter was given to a king or queen on the day of their coronation as a symbol of their authority and sovereignty. You see, when we come to Good Friday, it isn't to mourn the death of some hero that lived one day, a good man who stood up for justice and what was right, but we actually come to celebrate the victory and the triumph and the glory of the Saviour, the eternal King of the world and the conqueror of all spiritual powers. We read in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 to 15. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And again, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, we read, He too shared in their humanity, so his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear. Though the world and the powers of darkness threw everything at him to bring him to death, in death, Jesus defeated death. In his crucifixion, Jesus crucified the one who had wounded us. The tyranny of hatred was broken by the embodiment of love. The hold of the oppressor was disarmed by the true liberator. The reign of darkness was conquered by the Lord of light. And the noise of torment was silenced by the cry of Christ as he breathed his last. In the Gospel of Mark, we read, Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was God's son. There's no other voice mentioned in Mark's narration after this until the resurrection. Jesus, the king, was exalted as the victor. Our battle against sin was won for us. Our battle against guilt was won for us. Our battle against evil was won for us. I just want to share part of my testimony with you at this point. When I was about 25, and I won't tell you how long ago that was, 
<laughs> I was living in the UK, living out my Christianity with fervour and passion and serving at my church as a leader um, at Soul Survivor Watford. But behind the scenes, I was falling from grace. I really loved God, but I still struggled with sin. I really desired to be loved by men, and I craved men's attention and affection. I wanted to be desired. And for years, this was the main thing that I thought about. This was my preoccupation. I'd had several previous relationships that were ultimately unhealthy, and I struggled to maintain godly boundaries. And in each relationship, I think the guilt slowly, along with the constant state of feeling torn in my faith. So my fall from grace. When I was about 25, I stepped well over the line with my supposedly Christian boyfriend at the time, who didn't seem to think there was a problem. I felt so racked with guilt and disgust at myself. I was so aware of my complete disgrace and shame before God, my holy, perfect God. As an attempt at repentance, I broke it off with my boyfriend and I cried for days under a burden of guilt. I didn't deserve God's forgiveness, especially when I'd been walking with him so many years beforehand. I'd been unfaithful to God. How could I call myself a Christian? But Jesus met me in that place of brokenness. I had a very real experience of the fact that I couldn't save myself. I couldn't get myself out of guilt. And as I was curled up on my bed in tears, I had a very strong sense that I could either choose to believe that Jesus was the only one worthy enough to die for me and my sin, or I could hold on to my guilt and make Jesus' death meaningless. Was I going to believe in the worth of Jesus to save me, or was I going to hold on to my guilt and let it be that Christ died in vain for me? Was I going to believe that Christ, the King, the perfect Lamb that was slain, had sufficiently dealt with my disgrace? Or did I think my disgrace was too great for Jesus to conquer? In that moment, Jesus showed me the very point of his grace. He is the only one who can make us right with God, who take the burden of our sin and our shame and our guilt off us and make us righteous. It was his choice to shed his blood for that very purpose. After 13 years of being a Christian, I finally learned at that time that in order to be free from sin and guilt, I needed to accept that Jesus was truly worthy to make me righteous. No matter how great my sin was, this gift, this victory was freely offered to me. I just had to trust and take hold of it. And so I did, and it was such an incredibly wonderful release. And it was a major turning point in my life in allowing God to deal with my deeper insecurities, freeing me from my craving for men's affection and releasing me from the grip of desire to be desired. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. 
in quietness and trust is your strength. This morning, I believe this is a word that God wants us to receive afresh. I believe that God wants us to take hold of his worthy death as assurance that he has taken hold of all that we struggle with, that there's nothing outside the realm of his victory, nothing outside the his mercy and grace, that he wants to silence the noise that is distracting us, tempting us, oppressing us and holding us down. He's won the victory and he's holding it out freely to us because he's already paid the price. The invitation is to rest and trust, to find quietness and salvation and strength for our souls. When the noise around you says, you're not good enough and you'll never amount to anything, Jesus' death silences it. When the it, when the noise of responsibility says, you've got to hold it all together, it's all going to fall apart, Jesus' death silences it. When the noise of addiction says, you need it, you need this to feel good, Jesus' death silences it. When the noise of consumerism says, you need this to have any worth in this world, Jesus' death silences it. When the noise of guilt says, you've gone too far this time, Jesus' death silences it. When the noise of depression says this pit of darkness is too deep to ever get out of, Jesus' death silences it. And when the noise of persecution says your faith has got no place in this world, Jesus' death silences it. Jesus' death was sufficient to silence and conquer the onslaught of worldly noise that holds captive. Jesus offers us the victory of the cross for the defeat of our battles. To those who trust in him, he infuses his victory to us, becoming the one who reigns within us. Christ as king gives us his spiritual riches and blessing and peace while we labour under the hardships of this life. You see, Jesus... Victory wasn't through triumphalism as the world understood it, but by the way of the cross, the way of suffering in quietness and in trust. Just as Jesus needed to claim his kingdom in this way before ascending to the right hand of the Father in glory, Christ gives us the power of quietness and trust to endure the cross in this life so that we might inherit the kingdom of God. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. But this is also a prayer that God's kingdom would come in us, in here, that his reign would come in us. So when we hold on to parts of our story, especially the parts where we feel fear or shame, when we don't bring these before God and trust him with them, we're effectively claiming a divine role for ourselves. We hold on to our own lordship and our own sufficiency to deal with our problems and pain. And we end up disconnecting ourselves not only from our own suffering, but also from Jesus. Maybe we've been trying to fight the battle in our own strength long enough. 
when we recognise that we can't win it, we are finally in the place where we're ready to accept that Jesus already has. The invitation of the cross is to trust in the victory of Christ, our King. The question that was in front of me when I was wrestling with my guilt is the question that we must all answer today and indeed every day. Do we believe that Jesus was worthy enough to save us? And if he was, then he is worthy to be trusted for our redemption. And we can rest quietly in his victory for our strength. Amen.